0: This is Meditate and Conversate, a podcast for those invested in wellness and enlightenment. Interviews with experts in their fields and meditations that put theory into practice. Hosted by former news anchor, trauma-sensitive yoga teacher, and designated experienced registered yoga teacher 500-hour Lindsay Berusi. Today we talk with Amanda Lee Murphy, traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, acupuncturist, herbalist, as well as yoga teacher and fitness instructor. She'll help demystify Chinese medicine, an important system of wellness developed thousands of years ago that's still used today to bring the body back into balance through things like yin yoga, acupuncture, herbs, and much more. She'll also give some ways you can manage stress through simple at-home acupressure techniques. Remember, if you like this podcast, to rate it and share it so others can find it too. Well, welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I don't know if you remember this, but the first time that I met you was in cadaver lab. And when we were around the dissection table, I realized how passionate you were about your work in Eastern medicine because you brought your acupuncture needles to test on the cadaver. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Um, That's one of my favorite
1: things. And that's why I love that. That's how we met. And this is what I was just telling my assistant, because it was such a memorable experience for me, working with people in that type of setting, right? It's so intense. And then I feel like I got to really test my craft in a different way and see it in a whole different way, right? Because a lot of acupuncturists, we don't have cadaver lab in Chinese medical school. And even Emperor's College being one of the best schools, the second best school in the country, the best in California, we, that's just not something we had access to. And so getting that experience and knowing what you're doing inside the body as you're doing it and being able to visualize it, I think is so key for yoga instructors and for all practitioners of wellness.
0: And I just love other people who are lifelong learners. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, this chick is for real. Like she really loves her craft. Tell us why you're so passionate about um, traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture.
1: Um, I guess it really goes back to, right? Like everybody has an origin story. And I think for me, it was a lot of well, I pretty decent struggles with health throughout my life. Growing up in New England, it's very cold. And so in my young teen years, I developed asthma and in back then it was, you know, you'd get bronchitis, I would get bronchitis a couple times a year. And I just remember being on antibiotics and steroids and it was a normal thing. And then using inhalers. And then when I started practicing yoga, it was when I was applying to med school, I was taking the MCAT, I I had graduated and I took the MCAT once in school and I did okay. And um, one of my best friends went to school immediately and we had almost the same score, but I, for whatever reason was like, oh, I'm gonna take this year off. And I went home to Martha's Vineyard for summer, then moved to California to the South Bay where I live now. And I knew that I was gonna go back. So I started studying again because I thought that I had to be an MD. Like I thought that what I wanted to do, I had been a medical assistant to an OBGYN in college, which was the best experience, top, top experiences of my life. And so I thought I wanted to be an OBGYN. And right around the time I started practicing yoga, I noticed my stress shift because I was studying for the MCAT. And then after I took it, when you're in the waiting game and starting to work on your essays, I started practicing yoga and my chest completely changed. My breathing changed, how I postured myself, everything shifted within my body from breathing and moving. And that's when I was like, oh, there's there's something to this. I came back to LA. I I had been living in Sri Lanka, came back to LA and I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this yoga teacher training. From then on, my health just got better and better and better. Everything shifted. My allergies, all these things shifted. And in the midst of that, I started seeing an acupuncturist but I still was low key like, I'm gonna be an OBGYN. That's what I'm supposed to do. But really all the reasons I wanted to be an OB, you could do in any form of health and wellness. As a yoga instructor, all the markers that I wanted, I could do while teaching yoga, all the things that I wanted. And um, I started getting acupuncture on the side. And then I noticed even more of an exponential change in my health, in my mood, my sleep. All the big kind of key ticket items now that we talk about i actually felt all those things shifting and i feel like as i became healthier i became a better human i was able to really get in touch with so many other layers and then soon enough i had no need ever for an inhaler i realized like after a few years i was like oh i haven't used an inhaler i haven't done any of these things that i used to frequently do and so there's so many factors obviously all in one But Chinese medicine was the first time that, you know, when you have like an amazing yoga class and you lay in Shavasana and you're like, ah, and you let go. I always had that, but it wasn't quite what I read about. And the first time I had acupuncture, I laid on the table and I was like, oh, oh, this is that in-between state. This is this, I'm not asleep, I'm not awake, my conscious mind is connecting to this. But then there was this subconscious level where I simultaneously felt like I was floating and heavy at the same time. And I'm very Western minded. And I was like, what is this? What is this? And then I was, I was hooked. And so I feel like it was really this progression of my life and looking at me now versus 12 years, 13 years ago, the stressed out girl pulling all nighters thinking that that was the way to become a, productive member of society, got to have a whole switch in her life. And so that's why I'm passionate because I see a lot of, I say type A in recovery. I still have my (laughs) double, double A like qualities, but they're muted and I can relax and really be in the moment because of what I've learned from yoga and Chinese medicine.
0: And I come from a background too, where I married into a family where there's a lot of Western medicine and a lot of our friends now are doctors. Um, So when I started getting a taste of Chinese medicine, Eastern sort of thinking, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. But the more I sprinkle it in day to day, I think it's, it's so undervalued in a whole Area of society. So um, I'm really glad that you came on so that you could give us a little bit of your insight. My question for you is for those unfamiliar with TCM or traditional Chinese medicine, how do you usually explain that to someone who's fairly unfamiliar with it?
1: So I usually like to start with asking people what they know. And then I'll be like, okay, here we go. Right. Because a lot of people are like, well, I've seen um, the Hellraiser pictures, like a million needles in the face. And I'm like, yeah, that's not. It's not really happening, or at least that's not what I do, right? There are times where I needle a lot of needles, but for most people, the first time, no one is going to make you look like Hellraiser. They're not going to do that to you. It's really the key thing to think about is all of us need our nervous system to be calm. And one of the most efficient ways to do that, other than yoga, other than meditation, is acupuncture. And so when people don't know, like traditional Chinese medicine isn't just acupuncture. So especially for all my people out there who are needle phobes, you don't even have to be needled to benefit from Chinese medicine. So it's thousands of years old and it's based on the principles of balancing out the body. So we think of homeostasis, right, of finding this baseline and everyone's baseline is different. Um, everybody calls it the yin yang we say like the yin, the yin yang sign right the Taiji so if you think about that circle right and it has the dark and the light so there's dark and light and they're kind of we'll say like this and then there's darkness within light so that's The whole, if you had to sum it up in one thing, that's the basis of Chinese medicine and acupuncture. It's finding that perfect balance within you. So there's no yin without yang. There's no yang without yin. And a lot of my students laugh at me because I say the only time they separate is in death, but it's true because they're relative to each other. And so you can't have light without dark and you can't have dark without light. And so Chinese medicine is based on finding that relationship within each person. And so then it's broken down into further parts and further ways, right? So yin and yang, excess and deficiency, hot and cold. And so you can think about it as your body, if your immunity is low, you have a deficiency of something. And if your body then is attacked by a pathogen, COVID, the flu, chickenpox, right? And you're already in a lower state, it's easier for something to attack your body. And so Chinese medicine based on finding a balance relative within each person so that we're functioning at the most optimal ability that we can. And so that doesn't, going back to it, for needle phobes. I have people come to me all the time that I have have to get a testimonial. One of my friends would cry at the idea of needles and last night I needled her. Yes. And she, I kid you not, doesn't know because I cover her face with a infrared light but she had the biggest needles to date. And so it's funny when she listens to this podcast, she's not gonna, she's gonna be like, what? Um, But so you can meet people where they are. So a lot of times with her, she was very, very afraid of needles, like couldn't, would cry, like she's an adult, you know, she's in her mid twenties. She would cry at the idea of getting a shot. And she basically now is at the point, before the needles, we would do acupressure. I would give her herbs and we would do cupping She had an irregular cycle. She's PCOS. With two months of doing that, four appointments, she had a regular cycle. So it doesn't always equate to just needing acupuncture, right? There's so many other ways and different things, lifestyle, diet, sleep, exercise, right? That you can make changes if you're afraid of needles.
0: Um, You'll see that she's motioning to me if you're watching the video portion of this podcast, because I've told Amanda when I'm in LA, I want her to be my first. I think I've gotten over the needle thing and I think I'm ready. Well, I have these
1: amazing, amazing things and I, um, they're called tax, but I like to call them stickers because tax sounds scary. So they're stickers and they have a teeny, teeny, teeny intradermal needle on them. And so I put them on to the points. So we do that for a while to warm people up and it's been very successful. And even those have different depths. So it's almost the equivalent of, do you know, the dermal rollers, you know, with the little needles and you can do it yourself. It's sure. smaller than that. So you'll be like, oh, I felt you put something down, but I don't really feel it. And that's how I, you know, but then they feel the benefits of the Accu high. So- The AccuHigh, yeah. I love
0: that.
1: Yeah. So um, I guess I would say, I'm going to have you do something. So whether you're watching in real life, if you're driving or something, um, I would say to pull over or not do this or do it later. But close your eyes for a second. Bring your hands together in front of your heart. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Two more, just to bring us into it. Take an inhale. And an exhale. One more, big breath in through your nose. This time sigh it out your mouth. And then rub your hands together ferociously, ferociously, ferociously. Rub them even more, even more, even more, even more. So I want you to really feel the heat within your hands. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Take another breath. And then on your exhale, separate your hands one inch. And just feel the energy within your hands. Feel that kinetic energy, that friction. And in Chinese medicine, we call that chi and then gently release your hands open your eyes so that is my like elevator pitch of how i usually introduce people to chi so chi is what we call the vital source in chinese medicine it's our blood and chi go together and you could think of blood as the yin and chi as the yang and chi is what moves blood in the body right we know that our body has energy right? Like I need any doctor is going to believe that, right? There's energy, the, the heart is pumping, but what makes the heart pump? Qi. So you have Qi moving throughout your body. And sometimes we have a deficiency of Qi when we're fatigued, when we're exhausted, when you're just like, oh, I'm so tired when I wake up, deficiency of Qi, right? And you can get more Qi by eating, by sleeping a normal amount, right? You can get Qi by doing qigong. You can get chi by practicing yoga, right? In general, there's this idea right? if you work out, if you're a runner, a lot of times, maybe you do get more energy after you run. But for most like really strenuous activities, I think of that as having a slight tonifying effect of bringing chi or energy to the body. But a lot of times that's depleting chi. So there's, this is like the base, right? And you know about yang and yin and everything, but just keeping it really simple, that's the energy that moves our body. And we want more of it. Right, Like every human feels like they're in a chi deficit. Everyone I see the first time, like, how's your energy? They're like, it could be better. That's kind of our Western American mindset, right? That we need to be doing more. And acupuncture, like I said, the first time I had it was the first time that I was like, oh, if I do less for just a little bit for 30 minutes, I'm gonna be able to do more later because the needles are bringing about more energy. So I found that, and there's so many studies. Um, oh my gosh, vision I can't think of his last name. He wrote The Buddha and the Badass. He owns Mind Valley, um, that online platform. He talks about how there's um, so many studies where if you meditate and it takes 30 minutes, it adds three hours or two and a half hours, it's been proven, of productive time throughout that day. So in the f- four hours or whatever it is a week that you meditate, you're gonna get another 24 hours of productive work. So it's like that little bit of expenditure for big output.
0: And isn't that one of the hardest things to get like my clients or my students to realize is that doing less is actually doing more.
1: Yeah. And I, I told you, like, I am a type A person. Like I struggle with it even on the day to day, like, I, you know, and that's what I love about this time of year, because with COVID this year uh, in December, we, my husband and I were like, okay, we have to not. Be around a lot of people, right? Because I work with so much, so many people going through fertility and people doing IVF. I try to be very careful wearing my N95, all of that. And I found that we did so much less, which was sad in certain ways. But now this January, I've set myself up for success. Like I'm waking up and doing my journaling in the morning, doing my meditation. And I've made the time for that 30 minutes. And I have an aura ring, do, do you know the aura ring? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, aura.
0: The aura. it tracks your sleep, it tracks yeah. all the things.
1: If, if I was gonna tell people to invest in anything, and I got it a few years ago, my friend had had new someone that was being a, like connect, friends with the owner or something. And so I got it a while ago and I just got the new one. because so I was like, oh, I'm worth it, right? I have been watching just this 30 minute shift, just 30 minutes, I do my meditation, I have a moment for myself, I calibrate, I drink some water, And just having this morning reset, it's really less than 30 minutes because I'm really right now doing like a 15 minute meditation. My sleep has been optimal almost every day this year. So we can say, we'll say it's a 20 minute thing, a 20 minute investment. And I've felt the shift exponentially throughout this last 12 days, at least. Um, Just from that little meditation, little mindfulness, huge results. so I feel like that's how it is with acupuncture, right? Like it took me a little while to be a believer. And now I feel like I can walk the walk and talk the talk because I felt it within my body. And I've seen it And I was calculating the other day about how many patients I've treated. And I think it's like close to 7,000, 6,000. 6, we were trying to figure it out. So in 6,000 people, yeah, there's obviously people too who will come once, try it and they're not really sure but one time doesn't really give you enough of a taste to feel the difference in your life. That's like taking one driver's ed class and expecting to be a experienced driver,
0: you know, I think it's important for people to know who might not be familiar that we're working with meridians or energy channels in the body mapped out thousands and thousands of years ago um, in, in ancient Eastern culture. It's the same energy lines that we use when we do yin yoga practices and um really in my understanding and you can illuminate on this is that these energy channels can um also be blocked right be stagnant you might have energy that's not moving freely um and so is that another way right that you can influence yep. so um
1: how I like to think about it is everybody knows what a knot is and I now know that you just had um Gil he- Healy on here Gil Healy and he's someone I reference all the time when I talk about Chinese medicine he's so great. And everybody knows what pain is. Everybody's had pain at least one time in their life. Like that's, you know, and everyone has had a knot where they're like, Oh my gosh, I feel that in my back. If you just imagine that in those ways, right, that we have the meridians moving, and I'm going to describe it a little more in a second, but that is a layer in your body where there's fascia, where there's tissue, where the energy can't flow. Cause there is an adhesion of fascia. There's connective tissue bundling up. And so things can't flow so things meaning qi or if you're just thinking western right now the blood can't flow through right that there's something that's you know keeping it from being its most optimal and so we think of that in chinese medicine right literally at times someone will be like oh there's pain here and i'll feel the exact area and there's stagnation right there's a presentation of something stuck blood and qi being stuck so we'd say qi stagnation and blood stasis Sometimes people tell me an area and there's not a knot, but they're like, oh, this hurts. So then there's a deficiency, right? So a knot is something extra, so excess, whereas they'll be like, especially low back pain. They're like I have low back pain. I had an X-ray, I had an MRI. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. A lot of times MRIs show stuff, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> um, so there'll be a deficiency there, right? Or people have degenerative disc disease, right? So there's a deficiency, so there isn't something necessarily stuck right there, but they still have pain. So that's why Chinese medicine is so fascinating because with low back, I'll do points on the calves or I'll find tender spots on the calves, ashi points or neural bindings, if you will. I will needle those points and then their back pain gets better. So Chinese medicine works in this way where we don't have to treat locally, we can treat distillate. And the reason that is, is we have these meridians. So there's 14 main ones that run through the body and they have names that correlate to organs. But when someone says kidney chi deficiency, it doesn't mean that there's necessarily something wrong with your kidney. So I try to not tell people their diagnosis because a lot of times when they go on the internet and they just go off the walls. And in Chinese medicine, it's not linear. Everything comes in a circle. So I, I did a teacher training last year um, with Chinese medicine, yin and, um, different medical modalities. One of my best friends taught Reiki. We did it together. And a couple of the girls from the training signed up for Chinese medical school and they talked to me, like I see them weekly. Right. And so now they're a year in and they're like, Oh, like I don't really get this, but then I don't, I, I don't know. And I'm like, well, it's not, it's like the chicken or the egg, right? You have to kind of go through the process, learn all the things. And then it makes that full circle moment. And you probably feel that way, right. From the, from Tiffany's trainings, like sometimes you're like,
0: what? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know our backgrounds, we went through yoga medicines, uh, Tiffany Krishan's trainings together, um, and I, I'm just wrapping up the traditional Chinese medicine module right now. But um, yeah, at first it's, it's so foreign. You're like, what? What does an energy channel in my body have to do with grief or with joy? How could it? How could this possibly influence? But once you do enough of it and you start to notice the shifts it makes sense. Yeah. So it's like, it's hard always in these
1: moments when I'm just trying to break it down for people. So if you're like, what is she talking about? If you're curious, then you can message us and we'll, we'll help you. But I think of it as these main channels and there's more than that, but these main channels are flowing from usually a finger or toe and then into the body through the central body, right? Like to an organ system. And it doesn't always have the most making sense. And so it's really funny because there's all these memes out there about, I said there was something going on with, on with my eye and my acupunctures needled my toe and now I can see better. I'm like, yeah, that's because that's that connection. And so my way that I like to think about it, the Western Amanda thinks about it as we all come from one cell, right? And then we're two and then we're four. And so in that growth cycle, in in that happening, right? The tissue is replicating and getting farther and farther. So I think of in those earliest stages, there are cells that are one cell and become two and separate and separate and separate. And then those cells are still connected. They still have this piezoelectricity or they still have this connection, right? Whether it's through fascia, wherever it is, right? We know that fascia is intelligent, right? We know that the fascia has a connection to be able to talk, right? And so I think about embryology and certain cells were closer together when we were smaller celled organism, right? Thinking early, early days of pregnancy. And now they still have this relationship. Even though our cells turn over, right? You are not any of the same cells from 10 years ago. Thank goodness. Right? (laughs) Right, Every, every moment we're making like a million red blood cells, right? So we have this ability to shift and change. And so our body being able to do this is so intelligent. And so my theory is when people ask me, I talk about how that, how we replicate. And I say, our body is so smart. It knows what it wants to do. And when we, when I was in school, we would talk a lot about tonifying and sedating points. And I had this teacher, David who studies with Jeffrey Yuan. Who's one of a very, very famous, well-known acupuncturist. He's an 88th generation Taoist monk. And he had said that the needles know what to do because the body knows what to do. So you give it this little signal and it shifts. From a Western point of view, you're taking these little needles that are one single use, right? We put them in a sharps container, they're done, they're, they're waste after, and we enter them in the body. And we put them in the body, it's, you know, most of the time, it's a really, really small amount into the body. We put them in the body and we're causing a little trauma. So again, right? If you start bleeding and you cut your hands, almost every human being, even when we're sick, right? Even people who are going through crazy treatments, Most of the time you look and the body starts to clot the cut. Like if you cut your hands, right? Your body starts to heal itself because that's what the body knows to do and wants to do. So when you cause a little trauma, a little micro trauma, your body starts to try to heal it. And so your body has this whole cascade that goes to that point and lays down a different network, right? So I have a specialty in cosmetics. So when you're needling the face, right? And we're doing different things to the face. The body's like, oh, I have to go and heal those little wounds, right? Like I have to go heal that. So it lays down more collagen. Everybody loves collagen. It brings more hyaluronic acid, right? It's doing those things to create a healing response. And that happens throughout your whole body. So even if you're like, "Mm, well, I don't really get it, right? So we know that the tissue connects from end to end following the meridians. We know that energy moves throughout the body. And we know that when we stimulate, whether it's with needles or not, that the body then sends energy to that spot. I'm like a really red person So it's like, I'm almost half Irish, Portuguese and Irish. If I scratch my skin or like a, if I just kind of like get a rub up against something, my skin gets red. So right then and there, we know that there's a histamine response, right? We know the body is responding. And if the body responds to your messages, then it's gonna do work. And that work is almost always to heal.
0: I love it, Amanda. In my experience and, a lot of other people's experience. Um, you don't even have to go in with a needle a lot of times. And with mm-hmm. great changes using acupressure points for yep. clients. And we'd talked about some, I mean, I don't know if I could see more stress in my clients right now. Yep. My goodness, I feel like they all just need like a little bit of like a stress relief. Um, and so are there any ones that you use? Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So one of the big things uh, that is happening right now Most patients are coming and you're probably seeing it. You're probably seeing it. Most patients are coming in and they have TMJ. They haven't had it before. And there's this interesting clenching happening in everybody throughout the day when they're asleep. And one of the big ones that I'm seeing um, is in new mothers. A lot of new moms are coming in. And I don't know if it's part of the fact that they've had babies and we're still in a pandemic, so they don't have as much of their tribe or what exactly is going on, but a lot of new moms were, two years ago, I wasn't really seeing this in new moms, Um, the clenching, the TMJ. And so it's really interesting because we want to constantly just rub that area, which is great to do, right? Like it feels good if you have a gua sha tool. So if you right now were to take your hands to your face, obviously if you're in a situation where your hands aren't clean and you're out in the world, maybe wash them, COVID, right? But clench your jaw so you feel your muscle and then feel that little muscle and then relax it. Ah. But keep your finger there and then just give a little circle. Ah. So this is in the stomach meridian, just little circles. So acupressure is about 30% less effective than acupuncture, right? But it's still, I think it was one of the studies I read, it was still like 60% effective for a shift and change. So you know, 60% is still a lot more than, more than none. (laughs) So you're still creating a big change. You're still creating a shift. Now slide your fingers up towards your bone. So like when you slide up towards the little ridge that, Oh, I like have the light is shining purposely on it. Like right where that little line is right underneath there you should feel a little divot. Do you feel that?
0: Yeah, and for those listening on like Apple podcasts and things, this is just just below the, the cheekbone here, kind of over by the side of the face.
1: Yeah, moving towards the side of the face. This is another really great one. So when I feel myself doing this, I massage these two. And what's cool is you can actually do them at the same time. If you use your index finger and thumb, you can just give a little love. So those are just two that I'm like on the stomach channel, just feeling them, just a brief little, hey, we're here, cool. But now I want you to take your index finger and hold the back of your earlobe. Just hold, just touch the back of your earlobe. Now turn your fingers in towards your face and then go right towards the back part of your jawbone. Do you feel that? So if your fingers are still touching your earlobes, kind of go into that little divot. In Chinese medicine, we think of this near triple burner 17, but this is where our trigeminal nerve comes out. So our facial nerve comes out. facial nerves come out so there's this kind of branching that comes out so I usually like to feel and just press and notice if one side is tighter than the other for most people it is you feel that
0: I do mm-hmm. yeah. yeah my
1: right side is tighter how did you yeah, it too. so a lot of times I'll be like even you don't have to go crazy on this one I just apply pressure so with these little ones I just try to give them a little pressure every day just for a moment because I am a clencher right the time Taipei is the clencher right so i will just give them a little love every day so that's just like hey if i'm feeling stressed if you're feeling stressed you can love up on those but i wanted to show you a few others that are kind of more of the preventative so everybody knows the third eye everybody knows yin tong so if you were to take your eyebrows and cut the area right in between it's the gabella area gabella area right in between that little center point yin tong so I love to press on this, especially like Nadi Shodana. Some people don't press on it for alternate nostril breathing, the yogi breath. I always cue this because this point is like the Mac Daddy. It's the hall of impression. It calms Shen. It alleviates stress. It helps with any facial pain. So when I'm doing it, right? So we have ubiculus orus, which goes around our eyes. So one of my big tips for every single person that's on here, especially if you are typing a lot, writing a lot, being on the computer a lot, looking at books a lot. A lot of people have an Apple watch now and it tells you every 50 minutes to get up and move, but set an alarm for every 20 minutes or so, look away from your screen and look at a white wall for 20 seconds. Because when you look at the white wall, your eyes autofocus and the muscle that's around, right? The obliquus orus is around your orbital, around your eye, softens. So even when we don't feel the stress, when you're focusing, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter throughout the day, which nobody wants, right? So this glabella region where yin tongue is, tightens. So we have that muscle that's going around. And then we have the preseris, which is right here. It almost looks like a fan in between your eyebrows. So a lot of people come to me also and they're like, I have these 11s. That guy can be fixed and can be significantly changed by every 20 minutes looking at a white wall for 20 seconds because it relaxes the ubiquitous auras by giving yourself a little Shen, I call it a Shen massage. So taking your index finger, place it right between your eyebrows. So if you're not driving or if you can close your eyes. And then what I say is just take a few circles, one direction, just take a few circles. And now while you're doing it, close your eyes. Now try to relax. Imagine that you're relaxing that muscle that's around your eyeball. It's around the ridge, right? Imagine it being underneath your eye, going to, or it's underneath your eyebrows. Now switch the direction of your circles. And now just slowly hold it right where it is. Hold it right where it is. And now try to soften your eyes even more. And just take a few deep breaths. And then gently release. For most humans, that 20 seconds, right, gets you. Um, one of my other favorite ones that's right there. By the
0: way, if there's, I think it's no coincidence that Tiffany, who we've trained with, calls that the spot of instant calm. Yeah, right? instant calm. Exactly. Anytime I need to go back to sleep, I put a pillow right, right there. there. Yeah. yeah, it's so effective. And it's
1: like this magic point that everyone recognizes, right? So one of my other favorite things to do, and I'll like kind of adjust myself just a little bit more is, right? So here's yin tang. A lot of times when I needle it, I come from up here and I use a little bit and I go completely transverse and I go down into it because you feel almost this cascade, this waterfall release down. So one of my other favorite techniques for this is to take your thumbs there. And then you're just, you can watch me for a second. You just move upwards. So taking your thumbs, close your eyes and then just do that little soft, like if 10 out of 10 was pushing down really hard, it's like a one, two, and you just move it up and you just move it up and it's really nice. That does feel
0: really nice.
1: I know. So for those of you that are yoga instructors for the day that we go back to doing it to other people, you have your thumbs there and you just move it gently on people and you'll see them start to. You'll see them start to take it in.
0: No, this, this is a weird question, yeah, but no. a lot of people I know, and you know, you live in LA, so I assume a lot of people you know have Botox that area. Does that affect anything for better or for worse?
1: So, there's a lot of people in my world in uh, cosmetic acupuncture who don't, um, who won't treat people who have had Botox or who are not a fan of Botox. I like, you know, I like to be able to move my face, Um, but I don't think that necessarily it's
0: bad. You could still do those points.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So my whole thing is after you get Botox, I won't treat um, the area for two weeks, right? Because it's kind of counterintuitive. We're using needles to bring energy in and to stimulate and move. Where Botox, it's not paralyzing per se. Botox blocks the neurotransmitters. So I used to be like, "Oh, Botox, whatever." But now I'm like, "Oh, it's really just taking, and it's just blocking it temporarily." Um, and so I really don't mind if people get Botox, but I say when you have Botox or filler, don't touch it for two weeks. Let it do what it needs to do to settle in, and then and then do this right. So a lot of my cosmetic patients, what's been great is that now they aren't getting Botox as much. So I think about it as I'm working in unison with the Botox and I'm being its friend, um, but yeah, you don't wanna to touch the area for two weeks because you want it to just do what it's gonna do. And then we try to work around it. Like a lot of the people I see, and I don't know anything about CZs and how that works, but a lot of the people I'm seeing, they still have wrinkles. Like they still have things happening. So we wanna support it. And Botox is kind of covering up, right? And I work on treating the root, right? Botox is treating the branch. So I'm working at what's happening. And sometimes I might even dare to say that maybe one day I'll do a study on this, that it's actually making them having Botox and me working on it is making their skin have elasticity for longer. And it might be helping them more so, but yeah, I would not do these things for two weeks. The other one that I love is still in the glabella region. It's on either side of the Proceris, right? So the Proceris is almost like Think like a cartoon that um, has like crazy eyebrows. Like it's almost like this.
0: Just because there are some people who can't see us right now on yeah. other platforms. Where would you say that is, right? At the beginning of the eyebrows, right above?
1: Yeah, yeah. And so this next point is literally right in your eyebrows. So take your index fingers to the medial ends of your eyebrows and you should feel a divot. Do you feel that? Yes. When you move it around, do you feel a little notch? Like there should be a little hole? Yes. Do you? Yes. He's like, maybe. If you have nails, you have to like, kind of put your Uh finger flat. So you should feel a little hole. This is a little notch, this little foramen. Close your eyes and just feel that point. Usually one side is more tender. So this is another one of my favorites because it relaxes those muscles, the same muscles. It's called urinary bladder too. And why I love this one, you can just press on I like to just press on, I don't make circles, right? So a lot of times I just press and stimulate, close my eyes a few times. A lot of headache people come to me and then they're like, oh, just right here, right? So it's a pain point. Urinary bladder channel, and you know this, urinary bladder channel goes from the eye, wraps around the head and goes down either side of the spine. So this point is insanely effective for low back pain. So... If you're holding stress in your face, which all of us are, if you ever have eye pain, you find that little point, urinary bladder two, medial end of your eyebrows, and you can hold that point. That point releases pain. It has the similar um, indications as yin tong in the middle of the forehead. So sinusitis, any facial pain, nose stuff, any of that jam, right? Sinus pressure, both of these are great for, especially frontal headaches. But then urinary bladder two treats, the yang. So it's treating the back body. So back pain, low back pain. So for my yogis, a lot of times in yin, we'll be in a forward fold and I'll have them put their elbows on blocks and I'll take the thumbs to that spot. So you can take your hands together and have your thumbs kissing, right? And you can lean into that little point. So it's super effective, low back pain, any kind of facial stuff.
0: And that's what I love about what you practice is that it's all interconnected, and what I really do with with my yoga clients and in yoga therapy, because in Western medicine we tend to look at just this point, just this point, but they're all yeah. influencing each other. Nothing separate. Yeah. yeah. So it's been
1: a really interesting thing because I talk to a lot of practitioners, and you know, I treat a lot of doctors. I treat a lot of MDs, and they're like, "Yeah, we didn't learn that in med school. Like, they didn't. Most most medical programs they don't take nutrition." I'm like, what? It's like the four pillars of health, you know? Like how how can we not think about food? Like, cause that's what makes chi, that's what we're feeding our bodies with, right? I mean, and there's, so, there's such a, in the last 10 years, I mean, Dr. Mark Hyman has changed medicine so much, right? Um, but most of them don't realize how interconnected it is. But I do have to say, at least in Los Angeles, most doctors practicing here, are that way you know like most of them are more functional medicine based now um and it seems like it's happening like do you see that within your family a little bit of a shift
0: i yes definitely and it's even interesting even my husband being a surgeon will say you know, now he realizes that most people will be better without surgery. Now there's a time and a place and there's a need for it. Wow. I have a daughter who had a major surgery and it saved her life. Yeah. But that there's other ways to, to come at this, and maybe it's a symptom of something else, is like what you said. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially when
1: people are in like really intense acute pain. I'm like, listen, if you can't sit for me to put the needles in, if you can't like there's yes, there's so many things to do, but a lot of time when there's a really big emergency you know, a steroid pack or a Medrol pack for someone that has something really intense going on, or especially I have a few patients with different reactions to COVID and reactions to the vaccine on both ends. Like that's why emergency medicine is amazing and Western medicine is amazing because it has affected us so drastically, but it can only do so much. It takes you out of that acute phase. like What else are you doing for your whole life? Like how are you being preventative in your health, right? And so I feel like all these little tools, and that's the big thing, right? Is when we try to make big changes, it's harder. But when you implement little things like, okay, every day, every morning, I'm going to wake up and massage my yin tong, my third eye, for 10 seconds, you're calming your nervous system, right? So we have so many nerve fibers, and our nervous system and our immune system work so interwoven. We have so many nerve fibers in our skin, in our hands in our face especially, right? There's so much blood flowing to our face that if you can calm your nervous system down right before you start the day, you're starting at a better baseline. It's like when I have people come in and they're like, what do, what's the first thing you drink every day? like coffee. I'm like, oh, you're putting your body in a deficit before nourishing it. So I'm like, have that lemon water, have a, gl- a glass of water before you have your coffee. You don't have to give a coffee, but how can you modify in other ways, right?
0: And it, that, that's, what's so beautiful about it is at the end of the day, it gives you better quality of life, how to yeah. you shift your being? It's, it's this continual journey every single day. So thank you for sharing all these like little things that people can do, but it's really important that they come see you as well. I mean, right. I mean, yes. you can see these things, but you need to come in, you need to see
1: someone. Yes. 100%. I want to give you guys one more point though. I want to give you one more one. That's like really easy to do. So if you feel your sternum, You're gonna go all the way down to your right at the base of your sternum almost, right? So you're directly between your nipples, right in the center of your chest. So heart chakra, but also it is the C of Chi. And this bad boy is called Ren 17. It's right in the center. And this one is amazing because when we stimulate this point, we're able to open the chest. This point actually relaxes the diaphragm. So this is one of the ones that I needled on the cadaver because I was like, I just wanna see, really how it's going or if I angle it down or if I use a bigger needle like what's happening right it's right in between the nipples run 17 and when you give it a little bit of circle right so acupressure sometimes we just press and that's effective and sometimes I just feel like the little teeny circles is stimulating more and so this one especially when you feel tightness in your chest so for my anxiety people or even when you feel that kind of closing in, a lot of us start to curl in, right? our shoulders move forward. This one helps to open that up and it's stimulating the diaphragm. So I love this one for when I'm doing breath work, when I'm about to do breath work or after breath work. So if I'm sitting, I also think that when you have this visualization of using this point, opening your heart chakra, right? Brings more compassion, empathy, love into your life. But you're stimulating the sea of chi. So if there was one point that was the master of chi in the body, it's this one. So, using this point, activating this point, you're opening the body and you're releasing the free flow of chi. This is an immunity point. This is a morning sickness point, which is like. So this is one of those points that you're not going to, you know, it's not like there's a counter indication or something that's going on. This is good for everybody, good for immunity because you're replenishing the chi, moving chi. So when you start to feel those moments, you're stressed in traffic, driving on the 405. If you're, (laughs) I know, you know, the 405, Uh, you can drive and take like a little moment, you know, still watching the road, keeping your eyes open, where you can massage that point right on your chest. And it's just going to help you to open, find more air, right? We've all, there's a reason why when someone tells you something terrible, you hold your breath, right? Like when you're shocked, you're like, (gasps) right? Then your, your chi gets stuck. So how do you open it up? my favorite one of my faves is top points
0: thank you amanda is there any last wisdom that you want to leave us with is there anything that you think is really important for us to know either about this craft or or just in general most of us have something and most people come
1: in the door because they have pain and second one is anxiety like top top treating things pain anxiety sleep and then fertility. Those are kind of like the four big ones that get people in the door. But Chinese medicine is internal medicine. So thyroid, palpitations, You know, there's, there's so many things that Chinese medicine can treat. But what I would say to you is when you're finding a practitioner, whether it's in LA, wh- wherever you are, look at where they went to school, look what their schooling is. Um, and when you go in, they should do a thorough intake. Normal things to expect. I do a full medical history in my practice. When people come to my private practice, I uh, take an hour with them. We talk for an entire hour. People are always like, what? And I'm like, how am I supposed to treat you and put objects into your body if I don't know your full medical history? A lot of people don't do that. That's that's me, I want that trust. I want that relationship. Normal things to expect. A Chinese medicine practitioner is gonna feel your pulses. So yes, we're looking at Western vitals, but then we look for Chinese little things. That's how we do diagnosis. We feel the pulse and then we look at the tongue. Some people aren't doing that right now with COVID, but those are the normal things to expect. Most practitioners have a variety of other little things they're doing, but things to know or to feel good about is if you have an acute syndrome, like say you get in a car accident and you have whiplash, a practitioner is usually gonna say, come more frequently in the beginning, right? Kind of like PT, right? In the beginning, you go more frequently and you trickle off. That's where I try to get my patients to. So I try to give them the tools, help their body. And then I try to get them to the point where they can work the magic also on their own, right? Like, yes, it's good for business for me to have you come many times. When things are acute, you go more frequently. And then those issues, right? Like they maybe become, or maybe they're chronic, whatever the case is being acute things, you're gonna go more frequently. I have a lot of people that come weekly, a lot of people that come multiple times a week, especially my IVF patients, but I try to get people to the point where they're coming less. And so I feel that a good practitioner, a good doctor is going to love you and wanna see you, but try to get you to the point where you're healthy enough to maintain your health on your own with the tune-ups, with coming in. So it's nice. I mean, I have a lot of patients that I was seeing for not having regular cycles, and now they're usually down to coming once a month. Like they can get to that point. Majority of people once a week is awesome. I personally get acupuncture multiple times a week. I go to somebody else as well. That's another thing I would look at. Like, are, is your practitioner walking the walk, talking the talk, right? Um, I love to needle myself, but there's nothing like being needled by somebody else. So I'm trying to think if there's any other things to look for. Try to have a connection. If you go to a practitioner and you don't vibe with them, try somebody else, right? Like I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but if I'm not, I'm going to find them somebody else to go to, right? Like that's, again, the sign of somebody who is caring, right, versus, you know, what what are they about, right? The difference between a, a CEO and an entrepreneur. CEO cares about their company, an entrepreneur just wants the whole everything to vibrate higher, right? Like they want it for everybody. So most practitioners would hope are then going to help you on your journey with somebody else.
0: Thank you so much to Amanda Lee Murphy. You can find out more about Amanda at amandaleelac.com. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like this podcast, then please rate it, share it. And we hope to see you in two weeks.